Hallo allemaal online, mijn naam is Herman Kutsier, as jy vir die eerste keer intune, uh, baie welkom hier, ek hoop jy geniet van ons boodskap, en hallo van allemaal van julle wat hier is vanavond. Uh, ek gaan ons, ek gaan nie nou nog toukies draai hier rondom hier, oor, oh, dat is een ding wat ek nog wou sê, volgende week het ons nie jig nie. Um, want ek uh, en Melissa is nie volgende week hier nie, ons is in PE vir konferentie, so, um, jy weet, asblief, moet nie vir my death threats stuur, as jy volgende week hier by die kerk aankom, en die deur is, doe nie, ons gaan nie volgende week jig heen nie, ons gaan wel die week daar opjig heen, en ons gaan probeer, ek en Melissa, om volgende week donderdag, vir julle so, miskien so ietsiekie te gee, op uh, IGTV, of so aan. Ok, cool, last week, who was here last week, show of hands? Ok, so daar is nie te baie van julle wat nie was nie, dis baie goeie nies, so just to quickly recap, last week we did a really interesting message, or at least it was really interesting to me. Het jylle dit gelijk? Is dit vir jylle interessant gewees? Dit was vir my nogal super interessant. So we spoke about the devil. We spoke about who Satan is. We spoke about his origin story, where he came from. Ek het vergeet om hierdie lichies aan te sit. Um, <laughs> we spoke about who, who Satan is, his origin story, and we spoke about why he's here, what is his purpose, what is his intentions, his agenda, what is his plan. And then we sort of ended on a cliffhanger last week, speaking about what is there that we can do to fight back? What is there that we can do to stand our ground and to not be swollen, uh, not swollen, swallowed by the lies of the enemy, by his temptations? And that's sort of where we ended off, if I'm, if I'm correct. We, we briefly mentioned something called the armor of God, but we didn't really go into detail. And so that's what we're going to be doing tonight. We're going to talk about the armor of God. Our message tonight is called Suit Up. And this is part one of a six-part message. The reason for that being that I actually wanted to talk about the whole armor of God tonight. But as I was preparing this message during this week, uh, the, the more I read up about it, the more I was praying about it and speaking to the Holy Spirit about it, the more I realized this so... There's so much depth in this topic, the armor of God. There's so much to be said. This is so ongelooflik diep, this is so ongelooflik krachtig. So uh, we spoke about it, and what we decided on was to, instead of trying to cram everything into one session, and jylle wat vir 50 minute moet hier sit en probeer luister na my irriterende stem die altyd, gaan ons liever die boodskapies een bykie korter maak, and we're going to talk about one of the armor pieces each week, okay? Cool. So first things first. We can read about the armor of God in the Bible, more specifically in a book called Ephesians, Ephesians, for die van julle wat Afrikaanse Bibles het. And Ephesians, I, I just want to give some context. I think context is always very important. So, by the way, there was a bunch of you last week who stood up, who made a commitment to God, and uh, once again, super proud of you, but I do want to mention this. If you are struggling at the moment to, to sort of find your feet, and, and you're struggling to figure out, okay, great, I made this commitment, what now? Where, where should I go from here? I know I should probably be reading the Bible, but where, where do you start? If that is you, a good place to start is Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians has six chapters, and it's it can be divided into two parts: chapter one to three, and chapters four to six. Now, why I say it's a good book to read 
chapters 1 to 3 gives you a really good uh, overview, uh, a, a holistic idea of what it means to be a Christian. It gives you a really good idea of what it means to be a Christian and what that entails, what, what it means to follow Jesus, who God really is, and what, what Jesus did for us and why he did it and what that means for us. Chapters 1 to 3 of the book of Ephesians. Now, we're not going to talk about that tonight. Let's move to chapter 4, 5, and 6. 4, 5, and 6. Chapter 6 is where it talks about the armor of God. So chapters 4, 5, and 6 carry on or continue on the first three chapters. But now, instead of talking about the basics of Christianity, talking about, you know, what is this Christianity thing? What is it, what is it that we actually believe? It builds on that and it starts talking about, okay, how do I now stand firm in what I believe? How do I now stand strong? How do I hold my position? How do I hold my ground um, based on what I believe? And that's where uh, Paul introduces this thing called the armor of God. Now, why is this significant? Why did Paul talk about the armor of God? Here's my opinion. Not necessarily right or wrong, but it's my opinion. My opinion is Paul started realizing something. He started picking up something. He started realizing that maybe, just maybe, who you think your enemy is might just not be your real enemy. And he started picking up on this thing. And he started realizing that the people who hurt you, the people who, who backstab you, the people who gossip behind your back, the people who do awful things to you, yes, they are idiots, but they are also puppets. And that led Paul to start thinking about, well, if they are just mere puppets, then there must be a puppet master somewhere behind the curtains, somewhere backstage, pulling all the strings. And so he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, listen to, to how Paul puts it. He says, our fight is not against people on earth. Let me say that again. Our fight is not against people on earth. We are fighting against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness. We are fighting against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly places. The person next to you is not your enemy. Turn to the person next to you say, Yes, ni my fiant ni. Tunet, say every person lang sa yo. Yes, is ni my fiant ni. Then say yes, obi story muni lich ni. So as you fool ala es, you will kijk dan net na alle kanten en geef alle een van die. <laughs> maar voor die reis van jylle, jy is nie my vijand nie. Jy wat hier sit, is nie my vijand nie. Mag jy saak hoeveel keer jylle my betekker kwaad, mag jy, jylle is nie my vijand nie, en ek is nie jou vijand nie. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against people. Now let's get into this thing called the armor of God. Let me ask you, when I say armor of God, wapenrusting van God, waar kom na jou kop toe? Wat dink jy? Ek het nodig dat ons vanavond bykie interact. Ek gaan nie elke keer dit uit julle uitprobeer trek nie. So kom ons kry bykie gesprek aan die gang. Wat dink julle, wat kom na jou kop toe as ek sê wapenrusting van God, armor of God, what do you think about? Yes. Kan jy gul? Anne? A knight. Okay. 
Nisus is night and day, nights is hoo ha. Okay. I get you come dead be yes classic hun. Yeah, never mind. Okay, and night, very good one. What else? Come on, what don't you Minecraft. What's going now? Biggie by gaming come. Minecraft. Okay, we have night. We have Minecraft. More talk. Have you seen the trailer? I don't know. So cool, bro. Was it seen by? Get over here. Anyway, um, yeah. Scorpion is in for my favorite characters. I mean, what is Mortal Kombat? Um, in elk geval. <laughs> Come on. Noch. Word van God. What noch? When I say armor of God. A shield. What else? Silver. You want to say silver? What say you? Sword. Sword. Okay. Cool. Armor of God. When Paul talks about the armor of God, he uses an analogy. Do you guys know what an analogy is? Verstaan jy allemaal wat het is? Okay. Analogy is basically, hulle uh, vat a story, maar die story praat eindelijk van iets anders. Wie is al fans, wie van jy het al Narnia gekyk? Die movies, Narnia. Okay. The, the Narnia movies are an analogy. Yes, Aslan is just a lion in the movie, but we all know what's behind that. Aslan is representing Jesus Christ. That's called an analogy. So Paul is using the, the picture of the Roman soldier's armor to convey a message to the people. Why is he using this picture? Because he knows that everyone would immediately be able to, to um, uh, what's your word with the Relate to it. They would immediately recognize this imagery because they all knew what a Roman soldier's armor looked like. Now, here's the problem I have with this analogy. When Egg is obviously slimmer as Polis, apparently. Um, the problem I have with this analogy is it gives this idea. I mean, armor, when you think about it, armor is something you put on and eventually take off. Correct? Of, of, wie, so, wie van jylle is die mense wat as jy een nieuwe kleringstuk krijg, nieuwe skoene, nieuwe whatever, dan, jy is nog nie uit die mol uit nie, dat jy klaar die badkamer en gaan, so lang kan jy nieuwe ding gaan aantrek en vanavond slaap jy ook in hom. Ha? Huh? Come on! Come on! Ek weet jylle sê, daar sê, bra, enige ding, dit kan skoene wees, dit kan sneakers wees, my, my uh, Air Force One sneakers, toe ek hulle gekoop het, daar aan het ek met hulle gaan slaap. Hoekom? Who come need this Air Force One? We can stop. Anyway, <laughs> not the point. The problem I have with this picture is an uh, armor, a suit of armor, is something you put on and you eventually take it off. And I don't think that's what the armor of God is supposed to be. It's not like an outfit that you put on in the morning when you're lustful, and then when you're a bit gapful, rock, or you're rock, moog, or you're rock, hunger, or what you call, then take it out when you see now you're lustful for it. I don't think it works that way. I think the way it works, you know what, the best way for me to describe how I think about it. Now, there's no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with if, if that's how you connect with it, this idea of physical armor. That's also perfectly fine just for myself. The way I connect with it. Now, most of you would probably know that I'm a bit of a gamer. I'm not like professional or whatever. I'm not even really that good. But I do like playing games every now and then. And I remember while I was um, still studying, um, 
I was playing a game, and hopefully I'm not that old that no one knows about this game. Who, who here has heard of a game called Crisis? Donkey Father. Donkey Talk. Okay, Crisis. I didn't play Crisis 1 because I was playing on the Xbox 360 and it never came out on the Xbox. It only came out on PC. But Crisis 2 and Crisis 3 came out on the Xbox 360. Die van julle wat nie games belang stel op goed raak. Okay? Ons gaan nie lang praat oor gamesie. Ek gebruik net om So Crisis 3, let me tell you a little bit about it. And uh, you can put on that picture uh, just to show you what it looks like. That is called, that's the suit that you have in the game Crisis 3. That's your character, his name, he has a name. I can't even know what it is. This is important, armor. Anyway, that suit is called the Nano Suit 3.0. And I put a little bit of a description there. I don't know if you guys are able to read it, but it says the Nano Suit 3.0 is Crynet Systems' first series of mass-produced power, uh, powered armor exoskeletons. It dramatically enhances the performance of the operator to a superhuman level. What betekent dit? Dit betekent, jy is baie vinnig en sterk as jy die armor aan het. En jy kan invisible gaan, want, somme. Alright? And so throughout this game, in the beginning of the game, you don't know this. You're just a soldier, you get sent to an island in the middle of nowhere because there's some bad guys doing some bad stuff and as these things go, they, they discovered some sort of alien technology on this island. Because, you know, that's what aliens do. They just leave their toys all around the world. Um, and, and then you go in to fight the bad guys. That's your mission. That's all you know. And you're given this suit. But you don't know anything about this suit. Later on, you start finding out that the professor or the doctor or the whatever mechanic, the guy who manufactured this suit way back when, originally came across the same alien technology. And he, he used this technology to build this suit. What he did not know was the more, you, the closer you get to the aliens, to the source of the power, the more the suit starts kind of evolving. Wie van julle Venom? Nie soos gif nie, soos die movie, ne? Venom, Spider-Man Venom. Venom is what is called a, 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 a symbiote, a symbiotic being. Okay, hulle feed van mekaar af. Venom maak die dude sterk, en die dude geef vir Venom a host body. Hulle it's called a symbiotic relationship. This suit is similar to that. It's a symbiotic relationship between the person who wears it and the actual suit. And the more time you spend in the presence of the, the alien technology, the more this suit slowly but surely integrates itself into your very being. And I want to show you, so at the end of this game, at the, of the third game, so spoiler alert, if you haven't played the third one and you still want to, just close your eyes or something, or you squint. Um, but at the end of this game, you defeat one of the main alien bosses and whatever, and then you wake up on some random island, because why not? And I just want to show you this short clip of, of what happens when your guy wakes up. Now keep in mind, by this time, he, the, the armor has integrated so much with, with his own body that he's unable to remove it. If he removed the armor, he would die. Okay? And then... This happens. You can you can put on that clip. Thanks. Caesar will remain assets of a former mega corporation. So 
Okay, cool. That's the way I see the armor of God. It's not an external suit that you put on and then you take it off again. Maybe it starts off like that, but the more time you spend in the presence, maybe not of aliens, but of God, the more time you spend uh, in the presence of God, the more this armor of His starts integrating itself with your very being, with your essence, until finally you become the armor of God. Doesn't that sound freaking awesome? Ek dink dit klink mal cool. Anyway, voel ek nou jyl eister. So that's how I see the armor of God. It's, a, it's a, not an external thing. It's something that becomes a part of your life, of your everyday life. Now, let's talk about how to use the armor of God. Who here has a routine when it comes to getting dressed. Okay? We, we are, as humans, we are creatures of habit. We have routines for everything we do. We have a routine uh, when it comes to putting cool drink, cool drink, cool drink into a glass. and mix it my Anyway, we have a routine when it comes to, to uh, taking a shower. Like the way you start washing, where you end, uh, when you get out, where do you start drying, where do you end? Don't be weird now. You guys get what I'm saying. Uh, in fact, let's, let's just take a few moments. I would like to hear what your routine is when it comes to getting dressed. Now, let's all be civilized about this. We all get that, that we wear undergarments. That's not what I'm saying. Let's skip that. When it comes to your actual outfit, what is your routine? How do you get dressed? Do you start by putting on a, on, on a hat? Do you start putting on socks? Who begin 
tom antitrack. Nou sit jylle hier asof jylle allemaal jylle, jylle, jylle levenslang al kal gaat sit. Anyway, yes. Jy trek eerst je broek. Alright. En dan? Broek, dan hemd, dan? Sokkies na je broek aangetrek het. En as het lang sokkies is? Dis waar. Wie nog? Wat een routine het jy as jy aantrek? Hem broek, kousie skoene, alright? Pants, socks, shoes, shirt, alright? Mine, I, I usually, I start with my socks, and then I put on pants, and then I put on my shirt, and then I would put on a hat, depending on how I feel for that day. Now, that's perfectly normal, to have a routine. It makes you effective, well, mostly. Because there's a certain order of doing things that just makes more sense. If you are putting on sneakers, and only after you put on your sneakers, you realize, oh, today I want to wear my super skinny jeans. You have a problem. Jy kan dit doen, dis nie onmoendlik nie, jy gaan dalk jou broek skeer, Jy gaan dalk jou skoene damage, maybe, ek weet nie. Jy gaan dalk jou bloedcirculatie iwers moet afsnui. Maar jy sal oorleef, dis moeilik om dit te doen. Maar dis net dom. <laughs> net, omdat dit, net omdat dit kan gedoen word, beteken nie dit moet gedoen word nie. Alright? Does that make sense to you? This is a stupid way of doing it. There's a more effective way of doing it. And as I was preparing the message for this week, the more I was reading uh, uh, through Ephesians um, and reading up about the armor of God, the more Holy Spirit started uh, talking to me about the order in which we put on the armor of God. And I thought, maybe, maybe it's just my own mind playing tricks on me. And then I realized something really weird. When we read Ephesians chapter 6, it starts off talking about the belt. The very first thing Paul tells you to put on is the belt. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that's super weird. Wie de hel begin aan te trek by die belt? Soos at the very least, moet jy jou broek aan hee, voor jy jou belt aantrek. So, uh, that's the started, uh, it, it caused, me, caused me to start thinking about, maybe there's a reason he starts with the belt. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, the belt. When we read through the armor of God, it's called the belt of truth. And what is so significant about the belt of truth? Well, to a Roman soldier of that time, his belt was fairly important. Because firstly, it keeps your pants up. And let's be honest, no one likes to go to war without pants. That just sucks. Secondly, and more importantly, Connected to your belt was something called a scabbard. Weet jylle wat is, wat is dit? It's the, the leather thingy that the sword goes into. Nee? Okay? That's called a scabbard. And that's very important. I, I don't think I need to elaborate too much why that is important. It was very important for a Roman soldier to have his sword with him. Now this is very interesting. When you read through the armor of God you'll start picking up that every piece of armor is meant for offense. 
not def- uh, 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 sorry, for defense, not for offense. You have the shield, you have the breastplate, you have the shoes, you, have, uh, you know, you have the helmet. All of it is meant to defend, not to attack. There's only one piece of armor meant to attack the sword. And that's very interesting to me. That means in order for you to be able to attack against the enemy, who we, we are all on the same page with that now, we have picked up on this, our enemy is not the guy or the girl next to you, our enemy is Satan, the destroyer of souls. Sounded so cool. The destroyer of Get over here! Anyway, um, kom ons wees gevolwaasnis vir oomlik. The only way you can attack against the lies of the devil is by starting off first and foremost by putting on the belt of truth. And what does that mean? Putting on the belt of truth. Before I get into that, let me give you an example of where Jesus was wearing the belt of truth. Matthew chapter 4. I'm reading from verse 1. It says, then the Spirit led Jesus into the desert. Now, this part is really important. There's a lot of things that we can say about this. I'm not going to go into all of it, but it's really important. It says, then the Spirit led Jesus into the desert. He was taken there to be tempted by the devil. Isn't that interesting? Hoeveel van jylle het al gehoor dat, wie van jylle het in christenskap ingekom met die verwachting, jy het gedoen omdat jy wil gehad, jy jou leven moet eeuwenskielik beter raak, al jou probleme moet weggaan. Want dis is die type christenskap wat, wat baie mense aan jou verkoop. Jy weet, sê net, jy het vir Jesus lief, dan sal alles ok wees. And yet, here we read, the Spirit of God deliberately led Jesus into the desert with the sole purpose of being tempted by Satan. Because sometimes God allows the temptation in your life, in my opinion, so that, not for His sake, but so that you can understand what you're made of. So that you can know what you actually believe and what you just say you believe. So Jesus is led into the desert by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Jesus ate nothing for 40 days and nights. Lord, please don't do that to me. After this, he was very hungry. Understatement of the year. The devil came to tempt him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these rocks to become bread. Now, Satan is quoting scripture here. He's using scripture as a weapon against the Son of God. Listen to what Jesus does. Jesus answered him, The scriptures say, So Jesus throws it back in his face. The scriptures say, let me just turn my page here. It is not just bread that keeps people alive. Their lives depend on what God says. Then the devil led Jesus, this is also very interesting, listen to this. The devil led Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem and put him on a high place at the edge of the, uh, the area. Sorry, at the edge of the temple area. I'm going to come back to that just now. Undoubt it. He put him on a high place. He said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, jump off because the scriptures say God will command his angels to help you and their hands will catch you so that you will not hit your foot 
on a rock. Jesus answered, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Then the devil led Jesus to the top of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the wonderful things in them. Then the devil said, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all these things. Jesus said to him, get away from me, Satan. The scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So the devil left him, and then some angels came to Jesus and helped him. Why does the devil take Jesus to a high place on the temple and then to a very high mountain? Because that's how he operates. Firstly, he, he, he's, he's, that's part of his strategy. His first strategy is to get you to doubt the word of God. Second strategy is to put you on an elevated place, to put you on a pedestal. Why? Because the bigger they are, the harder they fall. He will elevate you. He will make you like kings and queens amongst men. And then he will bring you down to absolute nothing. Just to further put insult to injury when it comes to your humiliation. That's the devil's strategy. Also notice this. It says, so the devil left him. Remember last week we spoke about the powers God has, some of the powers and, and the powers Satan has and the, how they compare. And we said God has the power of omnipresence, meaning he's always everywhere all the time for all eternity. And we said Satan can't do this. Here's more evidence of that. Satan was with Jesus and then he left Jesus. In other words, he's not there anymore. Why? Because he can't be everywhere all the time. Because he's not God. Another thing you should pick up on that. When you resist temptation, it will eventually go away. I'm not saying the first time you resisted. I'm not saying the second time. It might take you years. But inevitably, if you hold on to the truth and you keep on resisting your sinful nature, you keep on resisting going back to your past life, you keep on resisting your addictions and your temptations, eventually they will leave you. I know some of you are sitting here tonight with some addictions and you can't even remember what your life was like without it. Jy kan nie meer dink hoe dit is. Ek, ek kan nie omdou dat al ooit die tyd was waar hierdie ding nie deel van my leven was. Ek sê nou vir jou, if you resist it long enough, you will overcome your temptation. You will overcome your temptation. The devil left him. The only way to fight back against the lies of the enemy is by putting on the belt of truth. And that simply means knowing the truth. What is the truth? The Word of God. What is the Word of God? The Bible. So, Herman, are you saying putting on the belt of truth is as simple as reading your Bible? Yes and no. Ja, dit is so eenvoudig, soos om jou Bible te lees. En nee, dit is nie net om jou Bible te lees. Daar is meer aan dit. But this is how we overcome. This is how you overcome your insecurities. This is how you overcome your temptations, your addictions, your past hurts, your your heartbreaks, your, your hatred, the vengeance that, that lives in your heart. This is how you start to overcome it. By putting on the belt of truth, by knowing the truth. Because the truth will set you free. Now what does it mean to know the truth? Firstly, listen to this. This is crazy. This is the power of the truth. This is the power of the word of God. 
Remember last week I mentioned the, de- uh, the devil said he wants to make himself like the Most High. And we spoke about why. Why would he want to be like his enemy? Why not be better than his enemy? Because even Satan realizes there is nothing better than God. There is no higher being in all of existence than God. So the best he can hope for is to be like God. But he is not. Remember we said that? It's the same with the Word of God. Satan knows a little secret about the Word of God that you and I miss most of the time. When Satan first comes uh, on the scene in the Bible, wanneer die duivel vir die eerste keer in die Bible praat, ek gee oor raaiskoot, wat is die eerste vier woorde wat die duivel sê? Dit is nie, kom ons eet roomhuis. Damn, ek sal lis vir roomhuis. In caramel dip, met neet, anyway. Um, first four words, the devil speaks in the Bible. He's speaking to Eve. And he says, did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really speak those words that you are saying? Listen to what it says, Genesis 3 uh, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Which is a lie as well because God never said that. He said, there's only one tree you can't eat of. The way to overcome is by putting on the belt of truth. But what does this mean practically? How do we do this? We said that the belt of truth is knowing the truth. We said the truth is the word of God. Now listen to this. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, Before the world began, the word was there. Now I don't know about you. I wasn't there. But I'm fairly sure trees did not yet exist. Which means... Paper had not yet been invented, which means that it's fairly plausible that the Bible had not yet physically been written out before the world began. So how can the word be there before the world began? And we find the answer when we read a little bit on uh, same chapter, chapter uh, John chapter 1 verse 14. It says, the word became a man and lived among us. We saw his divine greatness, the greatness that belongs to the only Son of the Father. The Word was full of grace and truth. A belt of truth and putting it on means knowing the truth. Knowing the truth means knowing the Word of God. What is the Word of God? Well, not what, but who? The only Son of the Father. In other words, Jesus Christ. Remember I said, Putting on the belt of truth, yes, it is as simple as just reading your Bibles, but also no, there's more to it. It's reading scripture, it's reading, spending time in the Word, but at the same time also building a real, active, living relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't come to me with your, ach, weet jy wat, hierdie christenskap ding werkt nie vir my nie, as jy nog nooit actually dit akansig geet om Jesus persoonlik te leer ken nie. Moet nie vir my kom sê, Herman, ek het het gedoen, ek het al soos 5 of 6 keer my Bible gelees, Choma of Gully, ek weet nie wat die vrouwelike version van Choma is, Choma Nien, Chumin, Cherry, Choma, Cherry, hy is een goeie in, moet nie vir my sê, ek het nie om of jy vir my sê, ek het die Bible al 100 keer dwars deur gelees, dit beteken niks, as jy nie een actual, actieve verhouding met Jesus het nie. If you never pursue that 
personal encounter with God. And then it's all just up here. It's all just head knowledge. We don't read the Bible for the sake of memorizing a few verses so that, ha ha ha, kijk hoe slim is ek, ek en bybelversies uit my kop uit, kijk pastoor, ek is baie goed en heilig. Nee, the point is not memorizing a few verses. The point is spending more and more time in the presence of God so that the armor of God can slowly but surely integrate itself into your very essence, your being, your bones, your heart, your soul, and uh, so that eventually you become the armor of God. The belt of truth becomes your truth. It becomes a part of who you are, how you live, and how you view the world around you. That is the point. That is how we put on the belt of truth. Knowing the Word of God, meaning knowing Jesus and knowing the truth. Everything He says about you. That is how we hold our ground. That is how we stand strong against the, the fiery arrows of the enemy. That is how we resist the devil. And that is how we overcome. We start first and foremost by putting on the belt of truth.